Welcome, everyone, to the Wednesday edition of the Markets and Mortgages podcast. I am your host, as always, Tyler Crawley, and today's a big day. There's a there's a lot going on. All right, first of all, later today, there is a ton that is happening. The biggest event being the Fed announcing what the Federal Open Market Committee decided with regards to a rate hike to the federal funds rate, which everyone is now the last I checked and maybe I should check right now, but EMC, the EMC group, which of course um, tracks this, um, they had it at 93% chance. That the, <laughs> It's so crazy. A week ago, it was a 90% chance that it was going to be a half, uh, it was going to be half a point. It's going to be 50 basis points. And that CPI print comes out on Friday. And here we are the day of, the morning of, the Fed announcement, and it is 93% chance, 75, no, now it's 90. It's dropped a little bit. Now, it's at the time of this recording, it is 90% chance that Jerome Powell will announce a 75 basis point jump at, uh, now, well, the press release, and then, of course, he'll be speaking to reporters at 2.30. So it's a big day. We'll be talking about that on Thursday's podcast, but we are going to start with well okay i read this article in bloomberg and i'm not gonna lie i got about a third of the way halfway through it and my heart started racing <laughs> like i should have checked my watch and seen if what my heart rate was doing because i was panicking i was freaking out i thought i was reading like a deleted scene from the big short And the article was about the current housing market, and I started freaking out. But here's the good news. This is the good news. It is not as bad. I, you know, that's why they always say, you know, don't don't just look at the headline. Don't just read the first third of an article. Read the whole article. And it's very important that I did. So let's start from the beginning. Um, Prashant Gopal over at Bloomberg, as I mentioned, really freaked me out (laughs) with this article that he had about vacation mortgage loans and their prevalence in vacation destinations. So Gopal writes, a special kind of business loan is fueling the boom. That is this this, this boom of loans um, that people can get uh, that basically relies on income from short-term rentals. So he says it lets borrowers, including the self-employed, qualify based not on their salaries, a.k.a. income, but on the projected future income of the property they're buying. In industry jargon, they're known as debt service coverage ratio loans, referring to the way that rents must be at least enough to cover monthly mortgage payments. Now, obviously, loans like this did not really exist because it was a lot harder to, for the most part, um, well, let's face it, if you had a rental property, even if you're in a beach, and I live in a beach town, and this is the way it used to work back in the day. You'd have a property management company, and they, of course, would you know, manage the property. And in the summertime is when you make all your money. You do short-term rentals, week to week, 
maybe if someone was really balling, they'd do a whole month, something along those lines. And the rates were astronomical. And then usually when things would kind of cool off, and I guess, you know, maybe North Carolina is different because we do have a winter, unlike, you know, Florida and some other places where it's warm all year round, people are going to visit and people do still visit here. But for the most part, a lot of times what they would do is for the seven months, eight months out of the year that it wasn't summer, they would do long-term rentals. And so I'm assuming for a lot of those loans, they would probably just use whatever that long-term rental rate was and just, you know, pocket, you know, the, the huge amount of money. Because the reality is during the summer, they'd make so much money. But the problem was it wasn't reliable because you're only doing it a few months out of the year. Well, in Airbnb's case, these are people that are renting these places out all the time. And they don't need a property management company because they're using their property management company is Airbnb. And so this is a new product that allows you to use that income. So investment property loans have seen an eightfold increase since 2018 with loans totaling about 9.9 billion in 2021. Now it's important to note that's a fraction of the 4 trillion in originations, almost 4 trillion that we saw in 2021. So you see this number 9.9 billion. That's a big number, it's a scary number, but then you realize that we did 4 trillion, <laughs> that's not even, that's a little bit over 2%, right? <laughs> a little bit over 2% of all of the originations that happened in the year. And of, and here's the other point, is of the vast majority of that 9.9 billion, the vast majority of those loans are supported by regular paying tenants on long-term leases, according to the experts. So we're talking about a fraction of a fraction of an aspect of loan originations. So we're not talking about subprime because to be honest, I was reading this article and I thought, is this like the new subprime? <laughs> and here's why I thought that. So that was a little later in the article where they kind of explained to me why this wasn't that big of a deal, but there were two paragraphs that really just scared the bejesus out of me. So here they are. So here, here's the first one. Chelsea Jones, a 29-year-old former grocery store manager in Columbus, Ohio, bought four rentals in the Smokies. Jones expects to make $150,000 profit this year from her rental properties. Her Smokies homes, along with one in Ohio and two more under construction in Florida. That's almost four times more than she earned in her grocery job, which she quit in 2019. Telling Bloomberg, what a dream come true to be able to work from home, be my own boss, and make that kind of of money. So when I first saw that and the fact that she has like four rentals and she's going to buy, you know, one in Ohio, she's got two in her instruction in Florida. All I could think about was that scene from the big short where Steve Carell's talking to that stripper and she says all my loans. And he goes, what do you mean? All your loans. We're talking about two properties. She's like, I have seven condos or something. And I'm not saying that Miss Jones here is a stripper, <laughs> but just the fact that somebody who wasn't in real estate not long ago, now all of a sudden is like building an empire. They're either really good or they're getting really lucky and things are about to stop being so lucky for them. And that's of course what happened in 2008. It seemed like everyone was getting lucky and then all of a sudden luck ran out. Uh, here was the other paragraph that really freaked me out. Home Express Mortgage Corporation, based in Santa Ana, California, and owned by New York hedge fund Sear Capital Management, is trawling for more brokers to sell this kind of loan. This is the vacation loans we're talking about. No income verification, no job listed. 
Christopher Barry, one of its account executives, posted on his LinkedIn profile. Airbnb and Verbo are acceptable. Three question or excuse me, three exclamation points. You don't want to see that. In an interview, Barry says the loan's simplicity makes them popular. There's less underwriting, he says, less of pretty much everything. <laughs> I mean, this is like, once again, the big short. This reminds me of the scene where the Steve Carell character, what is his name, Steve Baum or something like that, was talking with the mortgage brokers. And he's like, doesn't you know anyone look for income? And he's like, well, you know, we package loan up and we sell them. And he's like, I sell a loan on Friday by Monday. It's it's sold to a big bank. He's like, whatever. And then yeah, they have that meeting and he says, why are they confessing? And they're not confessing. They're bragging. And that's what I was thinking of when I read this article. I said, oh, my God, these people, they're they're like they're bragging about how well they're doing and they're doing well. I mean, there's no doubt. But I thought anyone that sees that much success that quickly, I mean, it does happen, but it does make you worry. To go from zero to a lot very quickly. You know, if we're talking about people who've been in the business for years and years and years, and finally, you know, they were well positioned for this moment, right? And you see that all the time, right? Realtors, you know, loan officers, whatever it may be. And let's say they've been working for a couple of years and all of a sudden, you know, rates drop or all of a sudden there's more inventory or just whatever happens and boom, they're ready. And, and you know, they've, as they say, right, what is luck? It's preparation meets opportunity makes total sense. But people that just all of a sudden get into a business and just succeed beyond their wildest dreams and a lot of people are doing it, you start to wonder, maybe there's something else going on. And like I said, that's what we saw in 2008. And the fact that you're hearing someone on LinkedIn say no income verification, (laughs) what? Ninja loans are back, no job, no income. The ninja loans are back. And well, Looks can be deceiving is what I will say. Because let's face it, is it possible that there's some maybe regional banks, uh, you know, brokers doing something shady and okay, maybe, maybe that's happening. But Bloomberg talks to Jeff Ball, co-founder of Visio Lending, who's one of the, the, the firm's that is providing these loans. And they said that borrowers must make down payments Often 30%. So, okay, that's a little different than 2008, where it was like no money down, no income, no job. So all of a sudden, okay, 30%, that's that's big. I mean, that's that's a lot of skin in the game. That's what you want to see. They're also required to have the equivalent of six months worth of mortgage bills in reserve at a bank. So in case there is a downturn, something like that. Now, Ball goes on to note that these loans perform extremely well because people with good credit have a history of paying their obligations in good times and bad. Now, when Gopal asked a question about a recession and the impact that could have on vacation rentals, Ball responded, it's an interesting question. (laughs) Yes, it is an interesting question. I hope it's something that you're keeping in mind when providing these loans. Now, about halfway through the article, I was terrified. However, as I read about the amount and some of the safety guard requirements, the money down, the reserves, I started to feel a lot better. But I was reminded of what we talked about earlier this week, and that was Mark Zandi's prediction that certain markets could see anywhere from a 15 to 20% correction if we were to enter a recession. Now, interestingly enough, Patricia McCoy, a former assistant director at the U.S. Consumer Financial Protection Bureau, 
told Gopal at Bloomberg, quote, inexperienced landlords may not be accounting for volatile rents or the cushion they'll need for unexpected repairs. I don't think this is just possible. This is me, my opinion, but likely. If you want to know where those 15, 20% corrections could be, you might want to look at a map and see where the Airbnbs are. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I do think some of these markets are getting propped up by the ability to get these type of loans. And I've, I, I don't even know if anywhere I've worked has offered these loans. So I was at Atlantic Bay, now I work at Town Bank. I don't even know if these loans exist. I know that you're allowed to use certain qualifying factors um, in determining value. I mean, I, I understand that, but you know, the no income and no job, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know about that. I don't know about that one. <laughs> I'm not sure if I'm a big fan of that possibility. But so, yeah, I mean, I, I, I do think that the places where you are seeing this crazy explosion of Airbnbs, yeah, you're going to have a correction. I mean, a recession hits, people might not travel. Now, I've talked to people who were here. Once again, I live in a town that's tourist friendly. It's a, a lot of tourists in the summer, no doubt about that. And I heard that, you know, even when things are bad, and it was funny, someone even mentioned that in the Bloomberg piece that even when things are bad, people still find a way to travel. I mean, they might not go to Hawaii, they might not go to the south of France, but you know, instead they'll go to, you know, here, Wrightsville Beach. <laughs> or maybe they'll go to Nashville or, you know, somewhere else that, that was mentioned in this Bloomberg piece. I think that's possible. I think that's definitely possible, but it, it, it did worry me a little bit. Just when, you see people bragging about how much money they're making in real estate, they've just never done it before, and you start going, you know, I mean, it's just, it's like this market right now. I mean, I mean, it's fascinating. We have not had a month over month decline in home prices since 2010, I believe, right? It's been 12 years, 12 straight years. And it's like, so you can have people that have been in the business for 12 years and have never seen a month over month decline in home prices. And that's nuts. And so here are people who are just getting in the business and, you know, they're buying these homes and they're skyrocketing 10, 15, 20% year over year price increases and rents are skyrocketing and they're like, boom, this is the best decision I ever made. And then what happens when rents stagnate, if not fall? What happens when the rentals aren't being rented? What happens when home values fall? And so I, I was I was a little worried. But like I said, the fact that they have to put 30% down, have to have reserves, that's important because I don't think anyone is anticipating a, a, a drop like that. So if someone's still got 10% in their home, 15% in their home, they're you know, they're not walking away from that. And that's the important skin in the game is definitely important. But man, I read that piece and <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I literally, I thought I was reading a script, like rejected pages from the big shorts, like from the script. I was like, what are they, these people, what are they confessing for? They're like confessing. They are bragging. All right. So we also got a big report yesterday from the Bureau of Labor Statistics. Inflation's obviously the hot topic for Two reasons. One, it's very popular, but everyone's talking about it, but also because inflation itself is very hot and, well, not a lot of relief. So as we all know, of course, we get the CPI, that's the consumer price index, and then we also get the PPI, that's the producer price index. That's what the people that we buy our stuff from, that's what they're paying for their components to make their product. 
and it wasn't good. Okay, and the thing is, we're not going to see consumer prices fall until producer prices fall, because if producers are paying more, they're not going to sell it to you for loss. That's not the reason they're in business. Contrary to what some people of some economic persuasions would have you believe, the purpose of having a business is to make money. So if you're paying more, your customers are going to pay more. Sure, you might eat some of it, but as long as prices remain elevated, CPI is not going anywhere. And the good news is that the producer price index fell for the second month in a row, but not a lot. It's still over 10%. The producer price index for final demand was down slightly to 10.8%, but that's it was down 0.1%. It was 10.9% in April, which was down, I think it peaked at 11.5. So, okay, we're doing better, but we're not even at a full point yet. Producer prices were up 0.4% month over month. That's an increase from April when we saw a 0.2% decline month over month. Economists had projected that inflation would hold steady at 10.9, so I guess beat the street. A little bit. <laughs> if you're looking for the silver lining, there's the silver lining. We we beat expectations barely. Kathy Jones, chief fixed income strategist at the Schwab Center for Financial Research, said producer prices remain elevated. The CPI grabbed headlines last week, but this confirms that inflation pressures remain. So yeah, like I said, uh, and if you remember, PPI was the one that was skyrocketing before CPI really took the brunt. And so as long as PPI is elevated, talking double digits, definitely, but that needs to get back down to four or 5% before we see any real movement in the CPI. Everyone's worried about inflation. And of course, today is a big day. It is a big day because as I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, the Fed is going to make its announcements on interest rates or the Fed's fund rate, which of course impacts all rates. And it's supposed to be 75 basis points. That would be the biggest jump since 1994. And it looks like it's going to be happening. As I mentioned, the E or CME group, which tracks this now says 90% chance. At one point it was 93, but now it's 90. And there was a piece in the Wall Street Journal by Mickey Levy and Charles Plosser, who were arguing the Fed has to do this. They have to do this. This is about Fed credibility. Bill Ackman, I think, made the same argument on Twitter. Not that his opinion matters more than these gentlemen. <laughs> but I, a lot of people are now saying this. That, that's my whole point. People of all different persuasions are now saying, listen, the Fed's got to do The Fed looks like they are behind on this. And they need to look like they are being proactive. They need to be, they need to be proactive, not reacting. And we all know they've been reacting and they need to get in front of this. And what was interesting about the Levy Plaza piece is they pointed out that, listen, employment's going to go up. The economy's going to slow. We know they're trying to do a soft landing. It's probably not going to happen. They're going to try and do that. But they're going to face a lot of pressure from the White House, from Congress. And I'm just talking, this isn't like, Democrats, I mean, the Republicans are in power, getting to power. We're still seeing high inflation. They're going to have to keep pressing and low. I mean, let's hope that that's not the case. And so this isn't just about like, oh, the Democrats, any party does not. Remember when Trump didn't want the Fed to raise rates? <laughs> was it 2018? I think it was 2018. And he was trying to pressure Jerome Powell from doing that. Nobody, no president, no party while they're in power wants to see rates 
go up because they know what that's going to lead to is a slowing economy. I mean, look what's happening in Turkey with Erdogan. I mean, they've got 35% inflation. He's like, no, don't raise or don't lower rates <laughs> or raise rates. I mean, don't raise rates. He'd rather the economy be on fire. I mean, which it is. And everyone working, even though they're buying powers decreasing, then for them to start losing their jobs and then they start, you know, picketing. And I guess I don't, isn't he a dictator. How are they gonna th- I, don't, I don't understand that. They got to throw him out of office. I'm not entirely sure. Uh, so no party. No political politician. <laughs> political politician. <laughs> I meant to say politician. If I said political, I didn't know how to transition to politician. No politician wants to see rates go up. But so what, what Levy and Plaza are saying is, listen, you're going to face pressure, political pressure to stop raising rates. And you have to keep course. And so let's hope they're able to do that. So we got that's coming out at two o'clock at 830. We're getting well, at seven o'clock. We're getting mortgage demand and rate data. Uh, considering what's been happening with mortgage rates this week, <laughs> that just <laughs> considering that's from a week ago. That's like from a different time. So we'll be looking more at mortgage demand. 830 retail sales, which are still expected to increase slightly month over month. So no real recession in the retail sales. Then at 10 o'clock, we're getting builder confidence. So, I mean, just without the Fed meeting, it was going to be a busy day. And so, and we got the Fed meeting. So, man, Thursday's podcasts, I'm probably going to have to take like a break. I'm going to need like a a commercial break on Thursday's podcast because there's going to be so much happening that I'm going to need to take a little break and then we'll, we'll, so my voice, because my, if you notice, then maybe you don't pick up on this. You know, I listen more when I'm editing my voice at the start of the podcast versus the it's a little raspier because I'm talking for 20, 30 minutes straight. And so my voice gets a little raspy towards the end. Happens. That's why in radio you have commercial breaks, no commercial breaks here in podcasting. So I might I might need one just to rest the rest the uh, vocal cords for tomorrow. We'll see. We'll see what happens. All right. So busy day today. Lot to get to tomorrow. If you don't pay attention today. Don't worry. We'll be talking about it on tomorrow's podcast. You guys enjoy your Wednesday. We'll see you back here Thursday morning for another edition of Markets and Mortgages. And remember, as always, do not wait to buy real estate. You buy real estate and wait.